Welcome to Southside Presbyterian Church. The following sermon was taken from our Sunday gathering. If you'd like to find out more, or if we can help you on your journey in faith, head to our website, www.southsidepc.org, or visit us any Sunday morning at 9am. So Luke chapter 19. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man there by the name of Zacchaeus, sorry, there, a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today, Salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Um, I should just say, before we get into this passage, the qualifications for an elder, you can have a look at that in 1 Timothy chapter 3 or in Titus as well. They give us kind of guidelines for our elders. Uh, I just should have said that earlier. Um, let's pray, and then we'll get into this passage. Heavenly Father, thanks so much for the privilege and the pleasure it is to come here this morning and take a moment to hear from the living God. Father, we pray that you would help us lay aside all of the things that have been going on for us, and in this moment now, you'd give us ears to hear and a heart to understand. We pray that you would change us, Lord. For those of us who need comforting, that you'd comfort us. And for those who, who need challenging, that you'd challenge us. And we pray that you would work among us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So the 31st of December 2016 was a significant day. It was New Year's Eve uh, that year. Uh, and it was the hottest one on record. I don't know if you remember that. It, it was a little while ago, but it was so hot that year. But there was something different in the air as we were walking around celebrating the new year. We were staying at Caloundra that year and uh, went for a walk to go and get some food. And as is our habit, we were just saying Happy New Year to people on the street. But we began to notice there was a vibe in the air that things weren't as normal. It wasn't the same as previous years. That year, people were saying, Good riddance 2016. Thank God that 2016's over. Because that was the worst year ever. Bring on 2017. Now what is striking about that was why 2016 was so bad. It was because that year was the year that a bunch of celebrities died. Now, I don't know if you can remember this, and there's nothing, it is striking and sad when celebrities die. We felt that this week. But in 2016, it was Prince and George Michael, and David Bowie, and among others, Leonard Cohen, these big celebrities that people loved, they'd passed away. So let's say goodbye to 2016, 2017 will be better. 
then 2017 happened. And we felt the same at the end of that year. Bring on 2018. 2018 happened the same at the end of that. 2019 happened. And then we thought it was the decade. Bring on the 20s. That's the time that's going to change. 2020 wasn't quite that year. That was the pandemic year that we spent most of it in lockdown. And so some of us who were kind of, well, not some of us, but some people were trying to argue, well, the decade actually starts in 2021. So bring on 2021. That's the year when things are going to change. That's going to be better. It wasn't. But as 2021 faded out and began to finish up, we began to see a milder variant and a vaccine and things opening up. And it looked like things would get better. We were excited for 2022. But now we sit two months into 2022. And we have forgotten about a pandemic, but not because it disappeared, because some other stuff happened in the last week. Some crazy stuff happened in the last week, from wars and floods, and when the floods disappeared, Bomb couldn't tell us what was happening with the supercell storms or not, and it was a crazy week. But thank God there's 2023. There's only 301 days away. We can look forward to that. Now, it's kind of funny thinking about how every year we've been looking forward to the next year for a little bit of hope, in the middle of hopelessness. Kind of funny, kind of confronting. Because every year it hasn't delivered. In fact, if you think about the last few years, it feels like it's gotten a little bit worse than it has a little bit better. And so it's worth kind of spending some time thinking about this for a moment. Where is our hope in the middle of hopelessness? Right? If the, the year is not going to bring that, if the change of date's not going to bring that, where can we actually find a sense of hope in the middle of crisis? Particularly after a week like we've had, a couple of months like we've had, a couple of years like we've had, where is our hope in the middle of craziness? What does God say to give us a sense of hope, something to look forward to, something to hold on to in the middle of all of this? Well, this morning, this is where we're going as we open up our Bibles and have a look at this passage in Luke chapter 19. We're going to see how God brings a hope to us. And we find that as we begin by meeting Zacchaeus, who is quite hopeless. And let's, let's meet Zacchaeus. Let's see his life and how hopeless he is. It starts in chapter 19, verse 1. It says this, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. So where is the hope in the middle of hopelessness? Well, here we meet a man who is hopeless. Okay, everything about this guy we would hate. And everything about this guy, the people around him hated because of what he did for a job. He was a chief tax collector and he was wealthy. Now, it's important we grasp what this was. Culturally, a tax collector sold out on their own people to go and work for the enemy. Okay, so they sold out on the Israelites to go and work for Rome and then they would tax the Israelites more than they needed to and pocket some of the money for themselves. That's how they got wealthy. And culturally, people hated tax collectors. Right? They weren't people you enjoyed seeing or you liked or you felt bad for because they had basically sold out on everyone and everything to gain some money. You know, if we were thinking about it today, what that would be like, if you think about what's happening in Ukraine at the moment, it would be like if someone went to work for Russia from Ukraine. That's basically the scenario here. You know, can, can you imagine if that happened, if someone went from Ukraine to go and work for Russia and then stole money from Ukrainians to fund the enemy? You know, globally, we would, we'd hate that. And if you were Ukrainian, you'd hate that even more. 
This is what a tax collector did. He stole money from the Israelites to go and work for the enemy. That's who he was. He was hopeless. People didn't like him. There's a sense of even when you see him, this sense of like injustice and unfairness that he can even exist and be wealthy and live his luxurious life. This is Zacchaeus. But not only is he hopeless because of what he did for a job, what we see when Jesus comes to town is also quite hopeless. Right? And we got, uh, uh, we got that there. When Jesus comes to town, what does Zacchaeus do? He runs ahead and climbs a tree. Now again, this doesn't sound that, that weird today. It doesn't sound that strange today, you know, a man climbing a tree. But in the ancient world, men didn't run, first and foremost. That was a childish thing to do. If men ran, that would be shameful, embarrassing. He runs and then he climbs a tree, which is also a childish thing to do. It's embarrassing. This is one of those things that you kind of can't look at. It's that embarrassing. It's shameful. So you've got this hopeless guy who people don't like, who's now running and climbing a tree and it's embarrassing. You don't even want to look at what he's doing. And there's kind of this sense in the air that what he's doing here is disrupting what you want to happen. You know, the the crowd hears that Jesus is coming to town. He's going to Jericho. And so everyone comes out. And if you were in Jericho, there's sort of an expectation of what Jesus is going to do here. You know, Jesus has healed some people. He's cast some demons out. Jesus has brought light in dark places. So there's this sense, what's Jesus going to do here in Jericho? And then you see Zacchaeus. And your heart sinks a little bit. This hopeless guy is out. And not only that, he's climbing a tree. He's running. He's doing things that no one wants So what is Jesus going to do? Well, if we're expecting anything, what we get is unexpected. Because when Jesus rocks up, he doesn't do what we're expecting. Verse 5, we see what he does here. Luke records for us, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Now that's not what we're expecting. Maybe you're expecting Jesus to go to a prominent leader's house. You know, that happened in the last meal with Jesus. Maybe he's going to do that again. Maybe he's going to go to the neighbor everyone loves. You know, there's always a neighbor in the street that seems to know everyone and have everyone over for a meal. Maybe Jesus is going to go to their house. Or maybe Jesus is just going to heal some people and then keep going on his way. We're not expecting this. Right? Because Zacchaeus is the hopeless guy, the guy that embarrasses us, the guy that no one likes. And yet what we read is quite wild. It's crazy. Jesus, and I love the way that Luke records it. Jesus goes to the spot. Don't you love that? The spot. It's almost like there's an X on the ground. Exactly where Jesus was coming. Goes to the spot. And what happens at the spot? He looks up. And he sees Zacchaeus. And he knows Zacchaeus. He calls him by name. Jesus knows who this guy is. Calls him by name. There's a sense of Zacchaeus hiding in a tree, right? He doesn't want to be seen. He wants to go by unnoticed, but Jesus notices him. And he calls him by name and he speaks to him. And he says, I'm coming over to your house today. Now, this is a big deal. Again, culturally, it's a bigger deal than what it would be today. So we've got Hospitality Month at the moment, and you can jump on that website and go and have a meal with someone. And if you do that, it's not that big a deal. I mean, you're just getting to know someone. You're just going over for a meal. It's a great moment for you. But in the ancient world, to say you're coming to someone's house was bigger than that. It was a sign of acceptance. To say, I'm coming to your house, is basically saying, I accept you. And so Jesus here is saying, he accepts Zacchaeus. Now, if you were in the crowd there, how would you be feeling at this point? 
What would you be thinking about this moment? Zacchaeus is the bad guy. He's not the good guy. He's the guy everyone hates. He sold out on his people to work for the enemy. And yet just, and then Jesus is saying to Zacchaeus, I accept you. How does that work? How is that okay? And if we were there, we would be angry, which is what the crowd is. They're angered by what Jesus does. We see this in verse 7. All the people saw this and began to mutter or complain, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. You see what they're saying, don't you? He's saying, they're saying Jesus came to the house of the bad guy. He's going to be the guest of the bad guy, not the good guy. And not the bad guy you feel sorry for. Now, sometimes there's bad guys you feel sorry for. You, you know, maybe there's a, a friend or someone you know who, who gets up to a bit of trouble, but you feel sorry for them because you know their background and their past and they're doing their best. Zacchaeus isn't the guy you feel sorry for. He's the bad guy who's leaning into the bad life. And he sold out on his people to go and work for the enemy. This is not the good guy. This is the bad guy. So how is it possible then that Jesus accepts him? How is that fair? How is this okay that Jesus accepts the bad guy? Well, this is what we're going to see. But what's super fascinating about what we see is that we see transformation before we see explanation. You see, what we see is that hope has come to the hopeless. But Jesus isn't the first one to defend his actions. Zacchaeus speaks up. Hope has changed this guy, and we see it from verse 8. We see it as this happens. Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. That's, that's transformation. He's changed, hasn't he? You see that, how different he's changed. Once he sold out on everything. He didn't care who he crushed to gain wealth. Now he's giving his wealth away. This is massive transformation. Before Jesus, he was greedy. After Jesus, he's generous. Before Jesus, he's rejected, shamed. He's despised. After Jesus, he's accepted. He's honored. People see the difference that he makes. And you just, you got to feel what he does here because it's, it's quite amazing the transformation here because Zacchaeus says, all right, I'm going to give half of my possessions away. Just soak up how much that is. You know, it's a trap to think that if he's wealthy, it would be easier. You know, if you have a lot, it's easier. No, it's still half of what you've got. And if you've got a lot, that's still a lot of stuff you're giving away. I mean, feel the weight of that right now if you had to give away half of your stuff. You know, how would that make you feel right now if you had to give away half? Sell your house and give half the money away. You know, anything you've got in the bank, give it away. Any of the furniture you've got at home, give it away. Food in your fridge, give it away. Half of all of your stuff is a lot of stuff. And then he says, if I've cheated anybody, I'm going to pay, pay them back four times the amount. Now, he's a chief tax collector. He's cheated some people. There's a lot of people he's got to pay back four times the amount. It's safe to say that he was once wealthy. But by the end of this account, he is no longer wealthy. He's given his stuff away. And, and why has he given it away? It's because hope has come to the hopeless. Jesus has changed him. But you see, the beauty of this passage is not just for Zacchaeus. It's not just one man's story of transformation. It's that this is what Jesus has come to do. Jesus does this for all people. And we see this as Jesus explains the transformation. In verse 9, Jesus speaks and says, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. That means son of God, in the family of God. For the son of man, that's Jesus, came to seek and to save the lost. 
Jesus is saying, this guy was once lost, but now he's found. He was once dead, but now he's alive. Hope has come to the hopeless. But you get a sense here, Jesus hasn't just come for one person, he's come for all people who were lost. Jesus has come to seek out, to find, to search and save people who are stuck and in danger and lost. Now, it it is worth feeling how good this is, that this is what Jesus has come to do, right? Deep within us is a sense that we should see the beauty of what Jesus has come to do. And it's interesting because in the last week, we've been able to experience this a little bit with some of the rescue stories. You know, we've had crazy floodings and uh, lots of people have lost lots of stuff, and it's, it's, it's heartbreaking. But some of the stories of the rescue missions, it would have been a lot worse if people didn't step up into that. And one of, my, uh, one of the stories that I watched this, year, this week that was, my, uh, was one of the good ones that I watched, I guess, and one of my favorites was the story out of Lismore that was on Channel 9 and uh, by a guy called Vincent Mary Church. His name almost, he just sounds like a hero in his name. And what he did in the middle of the floods was so awesome. I mean, he he said he woke up at 4 a.m. on Monday morning and he had had the boat ready to go. And he knew that the floods were rising. So he woke up at 4 a.m. and he realized he's got to go. And so he gets in his boat and gets his family to safety. But as he was driving to safety, he describes it as this crazy scene where he could hear people screaming for help. It was almost like the, he was saying it was like blood-curdling screams of people asking him to save him. So he drops his family off and then one by one he seeks out people. And he, he grabs them and he takes them to the school, which was the highest kind of place in, in the area. And he got 30 people up to this school. And at 7 a.m. the police rocked up and could deliver these people. But what was so striking about this story was he said that if he didn't do this, these people would have died. You know, if he he didn't go and get them, he's talking about elderly men and women, you know, who are stuck in their house and have no way to get out. There's one story he describes that's just so kind of heart-wrenching. He grabbed an elderly man from underneath his roof to to take him out and deliver him to safety. And you just watch this story and it just hits you. You, you feel the weight of it. You see the importance of what he was doing. You see the wonder of the fact that he went and searched for people. And then you see the beauty of, of saving people. And we love hearing stories like this. You know, th- there's a reason it goes viral. There's a reason people love watching this because we love watching when people go and seek people and save people. Now, now you see, we, we feel amazement about stories like this, but this is what Jesus has come to do. This is what Jesus is saying. The Son of Man, that's Jesus, has come to seek and save the lost. Now, now we can see there's kind of three things there. The lost, he sees the danger. He sees that all humanity are in danger. It's not just sinners like Zacchaeus. It's all of us who have sin in our hearts. And sin in the Bible is that description of the bad things we do and the good things we don't do. But it's when we ignore God or reject God. And the problem with sin is that the judgment of God is on all humans. All of us are stuck in our sin. There's a problem that we face and we can't, we can't deliver ourselves from this. But you see, Jesus saw that we were lost and he came seeking. 
You see how good this is? Like he's not a passive God who stays off in heaven. He's not a hidden God who kind of, you know, you've got to unlock the secret of who God is to get to heaven. No, he came searching. He came towards people. He came seeking for people. There's a wonder in the fact that God came towards people. And then he saves people. See, Jesus doesn't just find people, he rescues them. He delivers them, he gives them the hope. And, and when you think about how Jesus saved people, it's so beautiful because it cost him everything. He went to the cross, he died, he laid his life down so that he could save people. And when we see this and experience what Jesus is doing here, it's got to move us a little bit. You know, we're moved by people, but this has to move us because this is God saying he came towards us to save us when we were stuck in our sin. And when we see this, this is where we begin to see our hope in the middle of hopelessness. Do you see, our hope doesn't lie in the change of date. Our hope doesn't lie in circumstances shifting. Our hope lies outside of us in Jesus, who gives us a hope beyond this world. Jesus is the hope to people who are hopeless. Jesus is the hope to people who find themselves in hopeless circumstances. Now, as we see this this morning, Jesus came to seek and save the lost. It's worth asking this question, okay, so how do we live with this hope? Day in, day out, how does this transform us and change us and help us as we go through our lives grasping that Jesus came to seek and save the lost? Well, there's three things here this morning. Three things that it means for us this morning as we think about putting this into practice in our lives. The first thing is this, we've got to accept Jesus. Did you notice in this passage, Jesus came to seek and save the lost. He made the first move towards people, but did you notice Zacchaeus welcomed Jesus into his house? It's, it's interesting that we see that. Zacchaeus welcomed him home gladly into his house and into his life. At some point on our journey in our life, as we're thinking about all that Jesus has come to do, we do have to accept him. Now this morning, maybe, maybe there's a sense that you feel like you're here and you feel like Jesus has been searching you out. Maybe there's a sense lately that you feel like God is moving towards you and there's been moments, things that you've been thinking about and seeing lately that you haven't seen or thought about for a little while. And if you think about it, God is see seeking you, searching for you. I wonder if today is the day when you accept Jesus. I wonder if the spot is this spot right now, where God is coming after you, and, and where you feel like now is the day to accept Jesus. You know, it's not hard to accept Jesus. It begins in our hearts when we say we trust Him, we want to live for Him. I wonder too if today, you know, you think about it, and there's certain things that have been stopping you accepting Jesus. Maybe you've got questions. Maybe you've got things you, you want to work through. I'd love to encourage you, let's, let's work through that. We'd love to talk to you about your questions. Love to push through. What, what are the things stopping you from trusting and accepting Jesus? We'd love to invite you to Alpha. It's the place where we do that. But I'd love to just talk to you about this. I'm sure the person who came with you this morning would love to talk to you about this. But at some point in our journey in life, at some point, we've got to accept Jesus. Like Zacchaeus welcomed him in, that's the response we make. So number one, what this means for us is we accept Jesus. Number two, we celebrate Jesus. Now, when we celebrate Jesus, the idea here is that we see Jesus, we sense him in our heart as beautiful and wonderful. We adore him in our heads as we think about what he's done for us, and then it transforms us. That's what celebration does. 
And you see it with Zacchaeus, don't you? Like he celebrated Jesus and you see it through his actions. Once he was driven by money, once he was driven by wealth, he did whatever he could to gain wealth and then he meets Jesus and what changes? He gets that Jesus is better than money. He celebrates Jesus and it transforms his life. And so I want to ask this morning, do you have this sense that Jesus is so good? Do you feel that in your heart? Do you, do you have that sense that he's beautiful and wonderful and good? Do you adore him in your head and does it transform your life? This is the reaction we're supposed to have to Jesus, that we celebrate him, that we love him for who he is and what he has done. Now, again, it's interesting because if we think about what's happening around us at the moment, we get what it is to celebrate people when we see what they've done. You know, at the start of the, the war in Ukraine, I didn't even know that there was a president of Ukraine, let alone who he was. But I feel like collectively, as a, as a world, we've been seeing um, Vladimir Zelensky step up as the leader of Ukraine. And as you've been watching what he's done, we've been celebrating him for the leader that he is. You know, if you haven't seen any of it, we've, we've seen his bravery. You know that line when the US offered him a lift out and he said, I don't need a ride, I need ammunition. The bravery of a man to say, I'm staying here. The courage to say, when he said that line, I'm going to die by my soldiers. The care that he had for his people. When he showed that video, if you saw it, of the cabinet that he was with, and he said, look, we're all here because we love this country. The compassion we felt for him when he said he hasn't seen his family since the start of the war. And as you watch this man lead in this moment, collectively we've been celebrating that. You know, and if you haven't, it's worth it. It's worth seeing who he is and what he's done and, and in some ways adoring him and, and, and if you're like me, talking about him. See, we get what it is to celebrate people. But I wonder if you feel this about Jesus. Because Zelensky is a shadow of what Jesus has done. You know, you want to talk about bravery. Bravery is letting go of everything in heaven to come into this world. That's bravery. Courage is going headfirst into the enemy's hands, knowing that death awaits you. That's courage. Care is hanging on that cross when you could have come down for the people that you love. Compassion is being separated from the Father for the sake of people. When you look at Jesus, what we see is someone so much better than anything we could see in this world. And he's worthy of our affection. He's worthy of our celebration. He's worthy of our hearts. We're deep in our hearts. We see what he's done and we just think it's so good. He's so beautiful. He's so wonderful. We adore him in our heads when we consider who he is and what he's done for us. And then it flows out. It spills out into our lives and transforms us. So again, let me ask that question. Does it, do you celebrate Jesus? Did you come this morning with this sense of how good he is? And if you didn't, I'd love to invite you in these final two songs when we sing in, in a moment to celebrate Jesus, to ask that he would transform your heart. So number one, accept. Number two, celebrate. And then finally, we speak about Jesus. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. 
Now, the reason we'd love you to fill out those alpha forms is so that we know how to help you speak about Jesus. But what this passage does for us is it grasps and touches on the idea of urgency. Lost brings the idea of urgency. Jesus came to seek and save the lost because he could see the danger that people were in. And I wonder as we consider this this morning, I wonder if it's worth thinking about the spiritual danger in the same way we would think about physical danger. So again, let's think about the floods. And again, let's think about Vincent Mary Church. When you see what he did, what is it that drove him? It's obvious. He knew if he didn't get out there and put people on that boat, that they would have died. Sometimes physical danger pushes us to action more than spiritual danger does. And it's obvious why. I mean, we see it, it's in front of us, and it should push us to action. You know, we see it in front of us, we, we identify it, and so we get in and we help and we do something about it. But what if we could see the spiritual danger around us? What if when we go out on our walks or into our community or into our workplaces, what if we saw people around us and the homes around us, not just as safe and nice homes, but what if we could see the spiritual realities that the, that the water's rising? And that there's a, a very real present danger that people face themselves. And what if we let this spiritual danger drive us into action? Now, we're different to Jesus. He died to save the lost. Our job is just to point them to Jesus. And so this is why, as a church, we speak about Jesus. This is why we invite people to courses to hear about Jesus. This is why we pursue thinking about how we can do this better. This is why we're always talking about speaking about Jesus because we can see that there is danger. And out of love, we're driven to tell people about Jesus who came to seek and save the lost. So we accept Jesus. We celebrate Jesus as beautiful and then we go and speak about Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this morning as we come and think about Jesus, the one who came into our world to seek and save the lost, God, we pray that this would move us, that deep in our hearts we would see all that you've done for us as the best thing ever, and that this would move us into action. God, give us eyes to see what we can't see, Give us eyes to see the spiritual realities around us. And we pray that you would work in us and among us to help people see the message of Jesus. God, we are the lifeboat. We have, this, we have the saving message of Jesus. So please help us do this. Day after day, push into this for the sake of your glory and the good of your people. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.